Thank you, Lord, for everything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right. Last week we we started we started from the point where thou crowned us him with glory and honor. Now uh this is what Jesus was and is today uh and will be for all eternity. He says thou crownest him with glory and honor. And last week we talked about what glory and honor was he referring to. The glory and honor he had he had before the world was, that's the first thing he's referring to, that uh, he had a special glory and a special honor when he was in heaven before he came to the earth. And he earned, uh, and he earned and has it will receive back his crowning with glory and given honor for what he did. That is, he did exactly what the Lord sent him here to do. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. And he had a perfect resurrection. And everything about him was perfect. And so by that, he died for his children. He paid the price, the sin debt, for his children. And now he, he's back in the presence of God. He has the same glory, the same honor, and the same power that he had before he left heaven. And so, and, and the God, he was a God man. The God in Christ always had glory and honor. It was a man that had lost a lot, uh, of, of his glory and honor that he had when he was in heaven when he came to earth as a man. Now, um, what he did there, the Father, the Father sent him to do, he did it. And we said last week that he went to Golgotha's hill and voluntarily gave of his own life for his elected children. And we read in John 10 where he says, No man took my life, I laid it down. They, no one killed him. You know, they, they taught, and I've, I've even made the statement too from, from an emphasis point, but, but Jesus was not killed. He laid his own life down. They did not take him and kill him. They, in, in our type of understanding, in our type of English, you know, they did take him and kill him, but really, he laid down his life. He let them do it. He let them. He, matter of fact, as we preached last Sunday, he told, uh, uh, Peter to put his sword away. He said, in other words, that scriptures might be fulfilled. That, that, that I'm, 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 they're, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. And you know, that's the sad thing about it. We see today, you know, that, that people are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Everyone, everybody is. You folks, Brother Doug Newell and I were talking about this afternoon. You know, Brother Doug Newell, Doug, Doug, Doug Newell was talking about, you know, he said, you've got the faithful ones. They're going to be there. They're going to be a service and they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. But he said, when we talk about those people that don't come to church, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. And, and that's something we have to understand is that we're doing exactly what God wants us to do. You don't, you don't do anything outside of what his plan and purpose is for your life. I, I don't think God has planned and purpose for everyone to be strong. I don't think he's planned and purpose for everyone to be 
to be faithful. I think there are some that that God will permit to do things, and he has a reason for it, just like Brother Ed. Brother Ed couldn't stand that word, permit. But I do believe that God had a permissive will. I believe he permits some to do things, but that they're, they're for his reasoning and his reasoning only. We can sit back and we can criticize and we can say what we want to say, but, uh, but uh, God permits men to do things that he has a plan, he has a purpose for it. I don't know what it is. I don't know that someday God is going to visit them and bring great chastisement up on them. I don't know. I don't know, but I just know that God permits it to happen. You know, if, if God ordained for you to be here tonight, you're here. If God ordained for you not to be here tonight, you're not here. That, that's how I see things. How I understand, you know, they can call me a new landmarkist if they want to, but, uh, but, uh, but that's how I see things. I don't see things, uh, uh J.R. Grace, who is referred to as a landmarker, uh, but, uh, I, I got news for them. There, there was, there was landmarkers before J.R. Grace and Jim and, and Pendleton ever came along. There were landmarkers out there. Jesus was a landmarker. Jesus is the one that set the landmarks for the church. He's the one that said that that uh, the gates of hell shall never prevail against her. He set that landmark. He set that landmark that the gates of hell would never prevail against the church. The church would always be in the world. And I don't I don't care what they say or what they try to plan out, what they try to do. They're not going to take away from the fact that the church is in the world. And the church is always going to be in the world. The church is in the world today. And it's, it's going to always be in the world. Uh, it's, 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 it's here today. And so the, the, the thing that we have is, if, if we don't study about the church, as some of us not doing, then the people are never going to know about the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe the true church, the Lord Jesus Christ, is in the world today. I don't believe that there's a religion in the world today that needs to be reformed. Now, you know, uh, uh, the one that started the Mormon church, Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith claimed that he was reforming religion when he started the Mormon church. He, Joseph Smith claimed that, that religion had run out. Had quit. There was no, no such thing as any religious people in the world. And so he was out in a plowed field one day and, in, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, and I, this is true, I'm not saying this just because, but he had just been to a, uh, doctor about his sanity. Now, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a true fact. And, but he was out in a plowed field one day. And he saw something shining in the dirt. And he went out there and he pulled it up out of the dirt. And he saw this inscription on it. And and he started reading it. It was shiny inscription. He started reading it. And, uh, and, and about that time, the angel Moroni appeared to him there on that plowed field and told him that this was what was called the uh, uh, Euthumian something. I can't remember. I can't say it. But, and he said, God put that there for you to find. 
And he found it and he took it and he reformed religion out of that writing that was on there. That religion was dead. Religion was gone. There's no such thing as religion in the world. Now we're talking about back in 1800 and somewhere around 1880, somewhere along in there. And he said religion was done. It's finished. And, and, and so he, he reformed religion and started religion back up again. And that's what the Mormon church preaches and teaches today. That Joseph Smith started religion back up again when religion was dead in America. Now, we know better than that. We, we know that there was seven men who started the, the Southern Baptist Convention, what is to call today the Southern Baptist Convention, that seven men in 1847 started uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. And those seven men were landmarkers. All seven of them were. And, and, and they started the, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. And, and so they came forward and, and, and they started and by, by 1880, there were people who were, who were going away from what they were teaching and going more to the modern way of salvation. They were doing that back in, back in the 1870s. And, and so to, to, for us to say that, uh, uh, that tr- religion was dead, it wasn't dead. It was just, if, if Joseph Smith, who, who was eventually, and believe it or not, he was killed in Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri. He was killed because he got in a fight with a man over a harlot. Now, that's the man that started the Mormon church, and he was killed. And that's, that's when, uh, uh, that's when the other one took it over and he led them on out to Utah and, and there he, he established what is called today the Mormon church uh, out of that group that left St. Louis. They, some of them stayed there. That's why when you go around St. Louis up there, you're going to find a lot of Mormons because there's a lot of them didn't leave St. Louis. They stayed there in St. Louis. But, but at any rate, uh, you know, this, this thing of reforming religion, uh, where where has true religion been if you've got to reform it? I mean, where 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 has Baptists gone if you've got to reform it? Baptists have been Baptists have been around for over two thousand years. Matter of fact, John was called a Baptist back back uh, over two thousand years ago. John was called a Baptist, and Baptists have been here ever since then. But now we got people that are going around and they're trying to figure out. Why that some Baptists, like myself, you know, the Lord blessed me all, all over these years, kept me in the ministry, kept me true to the ministry, and now, now they're saying that it's all because I'm a new landmarker, because I'm one that preaches the gospel, that landmark Baptists did not preach a gospel, but they did. They did all of those. Pendleton, uh, J.R. Graves, all of those down through the years, all those seven that started the, the, the Southern Baptist Convention, they were all gospel preaching preachers. And, and so, uh, so that, see, it just makes no sense. It really doesn't. It just, it just makes no sense. So the thing about it is, is Jesus laid down his life. And for that, for that very reason, God honored him with the honor and the glory that he had while he was here on the earth with the honor and the glory and the honor that he had when he was in heaven because he did exactly what God would have him do. 
Now, let's go on down to the rest of this. And he says, And did set him over the works of thy hands. And, and as we said last week, and you got to keep these things in mind. That's the reason I keep closely repeating it because you got to keep these things in mind to understand this book. You, you, you got to, you got to keep it and, and you really do. You, you can't, you can't let some things slip because then the next less, the next message we have on it, not going to be very clear to you. You got to keep these things in mind. And did have set him over the works of the hands. Now, as we said last week, he is now over angels, over principalities, over powers, over all things on the earth, over all the inhabitants of the earth, over all the things in it, and over all the heavens, for he is higher than all the heavens. And and he gave him a name which is above all names. And Peter talks about that in the sermon uh, on the day of Pentecost. We read that to you last week where Peter said you... He said, "You Israel, Israelites, you delivered him up, and 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 you took him, and you delivered him up. You delivered. You, you said, you said, and, and that's what Peter, not what Peter said on the on day, but but they did say they said we want Barabbas, and and those, all those Jews that Peter was speaking to there uh, on day of Pentecost. He said, you said you wanted, and I'm just paraphrasing. You said you wanted." Barabbas, and you didn't want Jesus. And so you're the ones that put him in the hands of his executors. And that's what Peter uh, blames them for. And when they when they heard all of that, then the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts. It said they they were they were pricked in their hearts. In other words, they they were uh uh they they were uh, uh God put it God put the sorrow in their heart. That they did what they did, and through Peter, and uh, then Peter preached the gospel to them. There we go. Peter preached the gospel to them, and for the rest of that chapter, chapter two, uh, Peter preached the gospel to them, and there was five thousand of them saved on that day. Five thousand Jews were saved on that day, all because Peter told them, "said You the ones that delivered him." over into the hands well we can say the same thing about ourselves you know our sins and the sins we committed that delivered him right over to be executed he would if we if we wasn't sinful he wouldn't have had to die if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned he wouldn't he would never been sent to the earth but it was it was it was all of our sins the Gentiles are as guilty of sending him to to Calvary to be executed as the Jews were and every one of us, every one of us is guilty of it. Now this week, we want to look at verse 8. And uh, this is going to be our message for this week. He says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. Uh, as we said, angels, men, devils, all things in heaven, all things on earth, all things under the earth, um, all things under the sea, and under and all things under his power. But Peter mentioned about this. We've already studied about it over in uh, uh, the book of Peter. Peter mentioned about speaking about Christ when, who said, who has gone into heaven, is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject to him. Now, we, we talk about him being on the right hand of God making intercession for us, and that's true. But also, 
he has the honor from all of these that he didn't have while he was here on the earth. He, he has the honor for all of those. And as Peter says, talking about Christ who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels, authorities, and powers being made subject to him. That's First Peter 3 and verse 22. He says, all, everything in heaven was, was made, uh, uh, he, he had power over everything in heaven. And, and then, uh, Paul says here, he says, for in that he put all subjection under him, left nothing that is not put under him. Now, we wonder sometimes, sometimes when we're repetitious, some people get bored about it. But if you're going to get bored, you're going to get bored this book here. Because Paul is very clear, very clear about what he's talking about in this book here. Here, Paul mentions it again here. Uh, he says, for in that he put all in subjection under him, left nothing that is not put under him. He, he wants to know, he wants these Jews to know that their worship of angels is wrong. Their worship of angels is the wrong thing to do. You know, we don't, we don't worship idols. We don't worship angels. We, we, we worship the only and one and true God of heaven. He's the only one that we're accountable for, and he's the one that we worship. We, we don't worship anything else. We don't worship family. We, we don't, we don't worship, uh, idols. You know, my mom was bad about idols. She really was, but she didn't know no better. Uh, and I didn't know that at the time, but when I grew up, but my mom had all kinds, she had all kinds of statues. Sitting around on the, on the, on the stands. He had angels, statues of angels, statues of, of Jesus, statues of Mary, and she had two big pictures up there on the wall, and she taught us kids that those things were sacred. But she didn't know no better. You know, you, you'll say, well, do, do people worship? Yes, people worship idols today. Let me tell you, if you, if you've ever been in the Catholic Church, you're gonna worship idols. Because they're idol worshipers. And that's the reason that uh, when Winston was saved, Winston called his mom and daddy up, said he was he had redigged everything that the Catholic Church taught him. And he take, took everything out of his house and everything that pertained to the idols that, that they worship. And and so uh, people still do it today. They still worship things today. Uh, but it's a little more modern today, but they worship things. Uh, you know, I was thinking as I've been watching, that's all I was on TV is, uh, is a hurricane and, uh, um, Dorian and, you know, and I thought today, I was sitting there watching it this morning after I got up. I got up around six o'clock this morning and went in there and, and got me a cup of coffee and turned the TV on, see what the weather was going to be like. And, uh, I, I watched these, uh, they were talking, they were interviewing one of these on the Weather Channel. And, and they said, uh, you're putting in, they told one of them, said, you're putting in some long hours down here. You know what he said? He said, but I'm getting paid well. So in other words, if he was down there for 48 hours, he got 48 hours of extra pay. If he was down there a hundred hours, he got a hundred hours of extra pay for, for being down there. Made a lot of money. 
NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox News, and all of these have made a lot of money. It amazed me that one of those uh, people of, from Weather Channel was standing out there and letting the water come up over his head. Jim Cantore. He was standing down there letting the water come over his head, and I, I thought to myself, now look at him. He's trying to, he's trying to produce something that's not there. By them seeing them waves come up over his head. And, uh, and, and so let me tell you folks, the beaches were not tore up. So let's, don't, don't anybody start crying because the beaches weren't tore up. They're still there. They were showing Daytona Beach today. Nothing is tore up on Day- Daytona Beach. Nothing is tore up on, on, on the beaches south of Daytona Beach. Uh, Smyrna Beach and all those. There's nothing that's tore up. There's, there's none of the resort places are tore up. So you got a place to go to when summertime gets here. Now, I thought about that, you know. I thought about that. I said, people take their money, they run down there, but who? And let me tell you something else I learned today. In, in Freeport, there was 122 churches. Now, I'm not, I don't know what kind they were. There was 122 churches that were demolished. Now, they told all the businessmen down there in the Freeport, they told all the businessmen in Florida and Georgia, South Carolina and North Carolina, they told all of them FEMA would give them back the money they lost. Now, how many churches have been damaged right here in the United States over the years? Have FEMA ever given them a dime to replenish their buildings, them poor people? You know, there's churches can afford to do it, but there's churches out there can't afford to rebuild a building. And does FEMA give them any money? No. You know, they've got to suffer it out. And you think about that for just a moment. The beaches will make more money this summer. They'll make more, they'll make ten times more back this summer, or maybe even later on this year, they'll make more back than they ever lost. But let me tell you, folks, churches are suffering. Not Landmark Baptist Church. We, we're blessed. We are. We're blessed. We're, we, we're, we're blessed beyond means that sometimes that I can even understand. But the thing about it is, is uh, there's some churches that are really struggling. But there's no help out there for them. Not unless some of the other churches that can afford to get together and help them out. There's no help. But I, what I'm saying here is, is, is that Christ was made sub, subject. Everything was put under his feet. Everything was. There is not one person, not one thing that is not in subjection to him. Not nothing. There's nothing. You'll say, well, uh, unsaved people aren't in subjection. Yes, they are. Because they're going to they're die and go to hell because... They are in subjection to him, and they don't realize it. They don't see it. They don't understand it. God doesn't give them the new revelation that says, you know, that they are, that, that they are uh, in subjection to him. You know, you didn't know you was in subjection to Christ till he saved you. You know, who was Christ before the Lord saved you? When I was in the military, I, I didn't know who Jesus was. Had no idea. Did you, Brother Sam? 
Did you? Did you know? You? I think you'd been to church some though, hadn't you? Yeah, I think your daddy and them took you. Obviously, I didn't go, and and I didn't know who these people were, and and I I didn't know none of those things. But uh, when the Lord saved me in nineteen in in nineteen hundred and sixty seven, I began to know who Jesus was, and I knew I was in subjection to Him, and I've been like that ever since the Lord saved me. And ever since I've been preaching, I'm in subjection to him tonight. I've got to be careful what I say tonight because I'm in subjection to him. You know, the Bible says if you do everything in the name of Jesus, he'll bless you. It says if you pray in the name of Jesus, he'll give you whatever you ask for. Uh-oh. That's what he says. He says if you pray in the name of Jesus, he'll give you everything you ask for. And, and, uh, and he says, if you pray, he said, you should end every prayer in the name of Jesus. So what Jesus told them there in the book of Matthew, he said, you should end your praying in, in Jesus' name. And, and so, uh, so, you know, he says, everything is done through and in his name. Uh, there is not one person, not one thing. That is not in subjection to him. God the Father has left nothing that is not under his power. That's what he means when he said he put it under his feet. He left nothing under his power. Now, but now we see not yet all things put under him. Now you understand this one? Let me, let me say that again now. This is in, this is in verse eight. He says, but now down the last part of the verse, he says, but now we see not yet all things put under him. Well, what else is put under him? Well, let me tell you, folks. Let me tell you here. You listen to this. Let me clue you in now. We will never see all things, even though we are all in heaven and see a lot. We'll never see all things. We'll never see all. We will be taught for all eternity. What is there to teach us for all eternity if we know all things? We're going to be taught for all eternity. You think about that for just a moment. All eternity, we're going to learn about Him. More about Jesus would I know. More about Jesus. More about Jesus. Well, let me tell you, folks, if you get tired of me preaching here about Jesus, you're going to hate heaven. If you, if you get tired of being hearing about Jesus, you're going to despise heaven. You're probably not going there. Just, just put it, just put it clear. It's more about Jesus. What I know. More about Jesus. I want to know. And you're going to know all eternity. You're going to learn about Jesus. So that's what he's talking about here. But now we see not yet all things put under him. You're going to learn all through eternity what was put under him, what he has power over and what he is. How in the world can they be that much about him? It's all about him. Every bit of it. There is a song of which I don't know the title, maybe Kara does, which has lyrics which state, Some sweet day I will learn it all. Something like that. You, you remember the song? Some sweet day I'll learn it all. It's a song. Because they used to sing it at, uh, I used to hear them singing in Kentucky. Well, I got news for them. That's not so. You're never going to learn it all. You're never going to learn it all. You, I don't care. You go, you're not going to learn it all. 
You're never going to learn it all. The next verse will teach us as close as we ever get to see it all. This is as close as we ever get to see it all. But we see Jesus. There you go. That's why I read those four verse, those four words. But we see Jesus. That's all that matters today is that we see Jesus. All right, let's all stand and let's be dismissed in prayer and we'll go.